Season 2, Episode 7, Black Maps Motel Rooms is over, but we are just getting started here on Post Show Recaps. It is the penultimate episode of the True Detective Season 2 podcast here on Post Show Recaps. It's crazy! Woo-hoo! Yeah, we did it! We did it! And I feel bad that we are celebrating so much right off the bat when... We are here to talk about a dearly departed member of the cast. But before we dive into all of that, let's introduce our co-hosts here. Antonio Mazzaro, what's going on, my friend? Uh, I should be celebrating. I believe that I won a certain draft. Uh, we'll get Yeah, you did. Here. Jeremiah, how you doing? Jeremiah Panhorse, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, what's going on? How you doing? I'm doing well. I am annoyed that Antonio is the winner of the death draft. Yeah, this... Aren't you? I, I think he knew. I think that... I think, I think he knew. You think he had the spoilers? Yeah, I think he had some kind of spoiler or something. And, you know, because I remember when he picked when he picked Paul, I'm like, hmm, I don't know if I would have gone with Paul. Yeah, what I don't a think weak choice. Antonio, you no, let us off, what right? Idiot. Antonio, you were the first one. You I got guess, to pick first. first. And then so you, my pick was... Roundly criticized. Yeah, yeah. You picked. You picked first. We roundly criticized you. We roundhowardly criticized you. What did we say? Listen, I know that Antonio actually. You went back and you listened to a bunch of our podcasts today, didn't you? I did because I don't have anything better to do. That's all you got? Yeah, that's apparently, got, man. <laughs> that's sad. <laughs> that's everything. So, so Antonio, he went through the past. He unplanted all of the flags that he had been planting all along the way. What did you find, Antonio? Well, I did. I did win the death draft. I did win the death draft, and I also the reason I won the death draft is not only because Paul died first. Which, by the way, I'm super sad that I won this way. Yeah, we'll but, get into all that. Spoiler know, alert! By the way, we're bullets? just hopping. We're just hopping right into it at this point. Are we sure those are real bullets? <laughs> uh, I think I think it was a paintball. Yes, it was yeah. a paintball. Yeah. It was okay. a, it stumbled into a community episode, being shot on a back lot, jumped yeah. out through a tunnel. This is what happened. No, I said I, I not only called him, I even said by gunshot wound. So that was bonus points, which means wow. I think the best you guys can do is tie. Jeremiah, I might remind you that you have Ray Velcoro and his method of death is having his throat slit. Wow. Well, That's you know, gnarly. I think what's going to happen is that I think Annie's not going to really uh, like what uh, he was servicing her with, and she's oh just my god, <laughs> cut, cut him up. It's a that's like a, she's going to leave like a Yelp review in the form of slitting. She's going to say, "Remember how you said that I wasn't in your league? Well, you were right, buddy. <laughs> you were you were right." Is there a Yelp for sexual encounters? I'm sure that there is. I don't know be. what it's called. It would probably be called Help. Yeah, something like that, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it also might be called Yelp. <laughs> Could also just be Yelp. I think. Um, I had that has been taken already. Josh, you had Frank. I had Frank, and yeah. you had his method of death. Do you remember? Yeah, didn't I say he's gonna jump into the Pacific Ocean? Yeah, he's gonna. Yeah, he's gonna <laughs> what happens if that he gets still happen? Yeah, what happens if he gets shot and tossed into the Pacific Ocean? I think that counts. Half credit, so I still win. Ah, oh, damn it! Yeah, so Antonio is gonna trouble. win. On top of that, Jeremiah, I think pretty handily, Antonio is the Yellow King. Yeah, well, that's obvious now. I mean, Antonio is also the only one of us who has been on every single one of these podcasts. Yeah, that's true. You're that's unraveling true. the mysteries. This is the penultimate episode. All right, cool. Wow. So, Jeremiah, I guess in between the recording of this week's podcast and the finale podcast, we have to murder Antonio. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Come on. Antonio, what are you doing this week? What are you Bring doing it. later? I'm watching yeah, my back. Yeah. I'm watching Watch. my back. I'm going to follow his Snapchat very closely. Okay. Yeah, don't don't bother washing your back. You're not going to need to. We'll don't take worry. Care. We'll take care of that for you after the fact. But no, congratulations, Antonio. On on a on a serious note, you are the winner of the death draft. It does come at the expense of Taylor Kitsch. Pure no picture. longer on True Detective. And no, I'm sorry, Jeremiah. I don't believe that that bullet was fake. I think that was legit. <laughs> I don't think it was buckshot. All right. 
Congratulations, Antonio, oh, for winning. So, so we got a lot to unpack with this week's episode of the True Detective Podcast, penultimate episode of season two of True Detective. As always, you guys should be subscribing to what we're doing here. Postshowrecaps.com slash True Detective iTunes is the way to do that. Never miss an episode, although we only have one episode after this one. Um, where do you guys want to begin? Should we just should we just dig right in? We're talking about Paul Woodrow already. Should we just continue to eulogize the poor fella? Sure. Yeah, we should. Texas forever. Um, <laughs> I guess. I guess. Clear we, eyes. We still full hearts. Full of full of bullets. Got lead full poisoning. Of, full of fluid. Well, of I think I think Paul learned a big lesson here. Unfortunately, he he paid the ultimate price. But this is this is a good note for everybody to remember this: that when you ever get a text message with damning photos of something that you want to keep hidden. Right. And someone's going to blackmail you. Whatever you do, don't show up by yourself to the meetup because right. things bad things can happen. I should think this I, is an important lesson to learn. Should I bring the other person in the photos? Well, because mm. that didn't uh, go too well. <laughs> you need to at least have someone that you trust to go with you or be in the area where this meeting is going to take place. Right? A buddy I system. think so. Yeah. yeah I mean, system. and, and he tried. Buddy. Yeah. He almost did. He called up Colin Farrell. He called up Velcor and said, hey, I think I'm walking into something. And Velcor was like, dude, don't do that then. Yeah, he and said, then, get out. But, th- but then he saw it was, his, it was his Black Mountain buddy. He looked up. It was, it was the guy. And he was too, probably too enraged to not, you know, keep walking at that point. It was too, it was too late. Yeah. But he attempted. He tried. He tried to call so, Ray. Just remember that, tongue, folks. So. What are you trying to say? What are you trying to say, Antonio? Well, nothing. I'm not trying to say anything. You said enraged, right? I did. Okay, just check. Well, at least that way, if anybody of our listeners out there are ever getting blackmailed, this is a, a, a hard lesson to learn, but this, this is something we could all take away from this episode. Yeah. I think the move is probably – oh, Antonio just uh, texted something to me. I'm not going to repeat it on the air. Uh, <laughs> you're a monster, Antonio. <laughs> <laughs> you are the yellow king. Antonio is the yellow king. Anyway, uh, that's unfortunate. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to, to derail you there. But no, I think you're onto something, Jeremiah, with the buddy system, which we can talk about the ins and the outs of what happened with, uh, with, with the, the tunnels down there uh, and, and everything the chief was kind of throwing out. But we see Burris clip Paul in the back and then again as he's crawling for his gun. Then Burris gets into the passenger side of a waiting car. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the buddy system. Who, who's driving that car? I think at this point we can just assume it is anybody on the Vinci police force. It's just any dirty <laughs> yeah. cop. Like, it's just another dirty cop. Okay. All right. These people, I mean, we've been saying for a few weeks now that, like, everybody is the bad guy, and it turns out we're right. We were, yeah. I was going to say, we were right. <laughs> like, everybody killed, it doesn't matter who killed Casper, everybody killed Casper. <laughs> pretty, pretty including much. Devin Sawa, yeah, include especially Devin Sawa, yeah. yeah, he is the he is the main Casper killer. No, I don't think that everybody killed Casper, but everybody is up to no good, pretty much, with the exception of a very small handful of characters. Lots of shady people were revealed this week, and I think whoever Burris was driving off with is kind of irrelevant. I've seen a lot of people complaining about you know the the comment from Holloway being like, you know, there's tunnels running underneath this entire city. And then Taylor Kitsch, he hops out of the tunnel, and at that exact place and time is Burris waiting for him. Yeah. A little a little convenient, I've seen people. Yeah, definitely a little convenient, that's for sure. But what are you going to do? Did you guys feel okay with this essentially being the end of Paul's story? We had Paul take his mom and his uh, baby's mom uh, to 
the hotel, uh, kind of the, the motel, I should say. I don't think they can get Holiday Inn. <laughs> yes. Say what? Um, and I, they, 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 they sort of bonded. She shared the, her love of old films with, uh, with the mother. I, I gotta say, I'm not the, I don't feel the best about this woman being involved in Paul's child's life. Like, right. I don't like the idea of this. So right. I don't feel so great about the arc of his story, even though, we do get this line where where there's some tears being, or we get the moment where the tears are being shed by Paul's fiance. But I, I don't I don't feel great about where his story ended. I know I probably shouldn't because he got murdered, but I guess we've seen the last of it. I think that we, I mean, he's been killed. Uh, I don't know that we've seen the last of the story. I think that there's still business to attend to there. I think, especially depending on what the timetable of the finale is, it's supposed to be a 90-minute episode. There's a lot of ground that it can cover. It could go further into the future. It could go months into the future. It could go years. It could go weeks. It could go hours. Who knows? Um, but right. there's still the business of his kid. I feel like we're going to see that kid, whether or not that's through the form of Frank and Jordan adopting the kid, as we've discussed as a possibility at some point, maybe that would make sense. I think that we see the kid again. Um, however, if we never see his fiance, if we never see Paul's fiance or mother ever again, do we just assume that somebody on the internet is going to cut footage of them in the motel room waiting alongside footage from Breaking Bad of Huel waiting in his <laughs> motel room. And that is a minor Breaking Bad spoiler for anyone who hasn't seen Breaking Bad. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to be that person, to be perfectly yeah. honest with you. I think that's All a right. great supercut to make. All right, well, you know what I to do when we get off here. I don't want to go too long on this, but to your point, though, Antonio, I think a lot of this has to do with some of the conversation we've had over the last, you know, this whole season that we've been discussing is some of the issues we had with some of the character development, especially with Paul, is that I kind of feel like you, and I don't know if it's just maybe the fact that there's only been seven episodes that we've had the chance to get to know him very well, but because we weren't, I just don't think they did a good job in making us really care too much about this character enough to where when he got shot in the back, I would just, you know, my reaction was, oh, that sucks. <laughs> but I wasn't like, oh, no, not Paul. Paul, I love Paul. <laughs> I, know, I didn't do that at all. I was kind of like, really yeah, sad you weren't shame. like that. I assumed you were. <laughs> You're really shattering my assumptions oh, here. I'm, I, sorry. I'm sorry. I, I, I was distraught. I was distraught. Because Were you distraught? That, that okay. An Antonio had won the death draft. What I do was, I win? <laughs> What's the prize, by the way? You listened, you listened to the podcast again. What did we say? Were there stakes? I don't think there were stakes. Did you, did you win stakes? Like bragging rights. Like Omaha steaks? Yeah, like an Omaha steak. If that's what you guys... I don't, I don't really eat red meat, but if you want to send me some, I'll, I'll move it on the street. All right, everybody. Send we'll your send steaks to Antonio Mazzaro. That's the next move. That's what you do next. And then step uh, three, profit. I was upset about it because it did mean to me that... I kind of feel like the Paul storyline was not important or necessary in the grand scheme of things. Right. Am I saying something controversial or do you agree? That's how I feel. But I mean, I don't mean uh, hopefully it's not controversial, but I'm just saying we what, why should I mean, ain't somebody explain to me why should I really care deeply that this character is gone? I mean, I, I'm way more invested in Frank, who's a bad, clearly a bad guy. I'm more invested right. in him. Then I was Paul, and I know that sounds sad to say, and I mean you you can blame whoever you want. I mean you could call me a jerk if you want to, but it's fine. But I'm just saying that's that's just how this show – You know, unfortunately, that's what we've had in the last seven episodes. The only thing I've cared about is the other characters and unfortunately not him. Well, right. There's a great comment on post show, on our, our show page for this episode at postshowrecaps.com. From Post Show Recap Zone, AJ Mass, ESPN.com's AJ Mass. Yes, it's hot in here as AJ Mass. How Fantasy Sports Explains the World, AJ Mass. AJ. AJ, 
AJ says an underlying theme of this week's episode, which I loved, really seemed to be that those who are unwilling to accept their true selves are doomed. Obviously, we saw that play out with Woodrow being shot after again denying his sexuality. Mm -hmm. Do you agree? And if so, what do you guys think are the other characters, quote unquote, truths and which ones will, quote unquote, accept them and survive the final episode? Well, Mm. didn't both Annie and Ray, in my opinion, accepted a little bit of their truths in this episode, especially right before their love scene? I mean, he was able to admit the fact he even told her, "Uh, yeah, I'm a bad guy. He even says to her, no, I'm a bad guy. Because she was right. like trying to make make him sound like, well, you're not that bad. And he's like, no, no, I'm bad. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I just, I mean, to me, I almost kind of felt like that whole scene there with the two of them, that they were kind of accepting the fact of their their past and their truths to their past. So now, I mean, whether or not they completely have, have been able to accept it, but I feel like that they're in that, that spot. What do you guys feel? Do you guys feel like the other two have well, I been do able to feel like that truth? I do feel like Ray has to an extent. I, I feel mm-hmm. like you're right about that. I think that his comment about, I, you know, I used to think that everything that happened to me was because of one thing, but it turns out it wasn't. It was another thing. Uh, right. And, you know, that, you know, he's not painting a full picture of what he did, you know, that he killed who he thought was his wife's rapist or anything like that. He doesn't come out and say it, but he is saying without defining the things you know, what we know to be true. You know, he is, he has come to some sort of realization about all of that. Whereas Annie, who we know has confronted, you know, her past has, has seen the face of the, of the man who, who damaged her as a, as a child and comes to mm-hmm. her father and speaks about that and everything. But when she's talking to Ray, she says outright, I don't talk about that. You yeah, know? that's true. She still she has leaves, a lot to open she leaves, up. Yeah. She leaves that on the table. So within the context of the conversation between Ray and Annie, she's mm-hmm. still she's still sitting on that. And I wonder if it's a half truth, if it's a half measure, has she fully accepted it? Has Ray fully accepted it? I'm not really sure. I like AJ's idea. I like the yeah. idea that um we're looking at people who are unwilling to accept their true selves are going to be doomed. Uh mm-hmm. although it looks like Frank is a guy who is accepting his true self. He's going full gangster. He's probably going to do some bad stuff to Osip. He took out Blake and I would be hard-pressed to imagine Frank being able to walk away from this thing if he's going to go one-man army on these guys, uh, which is what it sounds like he's about to do. But, I mean, we'll see. I do find it a little troubling if this is the theme and if this is the idea and Woodrow is killed because he cannot accept the truth of his sexuality. I feel like that's that's a really rough way to leave that character. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, what that's, do you why think, Antonio? I, that's why I wasn't super hyped about the way his story ended because I think AJ is on to something. Like, I do think that one of the major themes of this this season, along with sort of uh, fathers and sons or, or fathers and daughters, just family in general yeah, uh, legacy. And, the, and the legacy and all that, I, I think that, that, that this is a major theme of this of this season. I do think that Ray had sort of accepted that, that he, he was trying to – he was basically saying like, oh, my life was screwed up. And then he had this kind of interesting face-down conversation with Frank last week where Frank basically said, you walked into that room ready to murder this guy, which means that you were already that guy, and you were already bringing that to the table, and I didn't really do much to get you to do this. So you shouldn't act like this one incident made you bad. Like, you Mm -hmm. were probably screwed up before that. And I do think Ray is coming to grips with some of that element of the truth. Like, he is sort of accepting that. And I think he's kind of mumbling in that scene with Annie in this this past episode where they're kind of admitting to that, but that's happening. Annie's breakthrough, whether or not she doesn't want to talk about it all that much, 
I think she's finally remembered her attacker's face. She talks about it a little bit with her dad in this episode. I think she does have an epiphany, though, Josh. I disagree with you a little bit. And that even though she doesn't want to talk about it that much, she basically says, hey, I used to think that, uh, that I think that I realize now that I think that all the things I've been doing this whole time have been leading me to this point where I could kill that guy, yeah, where I could point. kill the person. Yeah. And, and she's sort of having these epiphanies. And so she's accepting her truth, just like I think you're pointing out correctly that Frank really is going all in uh, and really accepting his truth. And the, the interesting thing about Frank's character is all season long, other people have been telling Frank, and including in this episode when Osip says it to him, you, didn't, you shouldn't have expected to be able to get into this deal. You're a guy who manages clubs. Right. Like you're a guy. This is what you do. This is your station in life. And maybe you can build a little more business out of that, but you're not going to really rise to a different strata. Like and credit, credit to Vince Vaughn for, for the look on that his down. face yep. when, when Osip is telling him that. And you just see it on Frank Simeon's face like, I would really love to blow my entire plan and just pop you in the face right now because yep. you are such a dweeb. Yep, yep. And, mm. and so... I think that Frank is accepting of some of that. However, Frank is really rejecting the notion that he can't get one over on these guys, that he's not, that he can't stay a couple steps ahead of them, that he's not smart enough to get the drop on them, that he's not smart enough to take their $12 million and go to Venezuela uh, where there's no extradition treaty or whatever. And he can just hang out on the beach with his wife. Right. My question is, does Frank have any blind spots that we're not, that he's not looking at? Because is Jordan going to turn on Frank? Do we have any inclination that his wife is all in with him. I did find it very interesting that he made sure she was brought into the room to see. He was almost like a cat when it brings you a dead mouse and puts it on your <laughs> shoe. Like, look what I did. Like, mm-hmm. he had to show off that he had killed Blake. And she, he, she basically said to Jordan, like, well, this is what it is now. Like, this is where we're at with this. And I thought that was interesting that he felt like she had to know. Uh, this is so far from where they were at the beginning of the season that I don't know, is she all in for this? I mean, she married Frank. He was a gangster when she married him. So maybe she thought he was going to get away from all that. But I, I don't I don't know. I just don't know if Frank is blind to his home front. And I think that right. that could cause a problem. Well, I think that he firmly believes, obviously, that Jordan is on the level. I right. think that, you know, him showing her that, I think it's it's less about, you know, like the cat bringing you the, the dead mouse and be like, here, look what I got you. I think it's more like, look at the shit that we're in right now. This is it. This is real. We got to start making our moves. Otherwise, we're going to end up like Blake on the floor. And I think that he really believes that she needs to see this firsthand to know the severity of the situation. And for her, him to tell her, we're about to get out of this. Everyone's turned on us. We're about to move. We're going all in. We're about to get cashed out. It's happening. Um, I think you could be right that she could be his blind spot. I know that we have been saying all along, like, when's the Jordan story going to pop? Because it really hasn't happened. Um, she could still have some sort of secret up her sleeve, and she could be his undoing somehow. I well, think that that's absolutely on the table. Yeah, and I think that would make it just that much more devastating for Frank's character is that if the very end we find out that she was behind a bunch of stuff and that she was that blind spot that he didn't see, like you're saying, and that would make it even more satisfying, I think, right? Yeah, I wonder, like, there, there was one part of me that was trying to look at that scene where, when um, when Jordan shows up at Frank's office and sees Blake dead on the floor, that I was trying to read it as if Jordan is not on the level. And I was I was trying to trying to kind of look at her her reaction to seeing Blake's dead body and wondering if she had some sort of side thing with him, whether it was romantic or business or whatever. Uh, and I was just trying to, like, watch her reaction to seeing that Blake 
was dead. And when you read it that way, you know, she's obviously, she maintains composure. She says the right thing. What do you need me to do? All of that. But it's almost like she herself is so cool, calm, and collective, to borrow a phrase from somebody we know. Uh, I, I feel like it, it almost mirrors Frank's conversation with Osip at the bar in an interesting way, if you look at it that way. So it could go either way. It could be that Jordan is really in with Frank, or maybe she has some secret up her sleeve. And I think watch that scene after next week's finale if she has turned it. I think that it's a pretty cool scene when you read it that way. Yeah, I think, I think that's right. I paid attention very closely to it as well, Josh. I almost felt like she had this eerie calm about the whole thing. Right. Which I, you know, I think normally you may not have expected from her character, which makes me really like I put even more question mark, question mark, question mark after that scene thinking, man, I really don't think we could trust this gal. (laughs) Right. I mean, it could, it could, it could could be be either, it could be either, or it could be, you know, she's really uh, level headed about it, that she's really, you know, keeping her composure and everything because it's like, okay, this is serious. You killed, you killed Blake and Blake is dead and he is in your office and I am looking at this dead body and this is a serious thing and I'm with you and we got to get out of here. So we don't wind up dead on the, you know, floor of your office as well. Or it could be shit, 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 shit. He killed my partner. I don't want him to kill me. I hope he doesn't know what I'm doing. Just act natural. Just be cool. Get out of the room and let's see what happens next. Uh, so I think that both of those options are on the table. I think it's, it's, uh, it, it's, it's one cool thing about the ambiguity of that scene, I think. And, uh, I guess we'll find out as soon as next week. Are you, but are you going to be satisfied? Good. I mean, because that, just because that scene was ambiguous, are you guys going to be satisfied if that ends up being what happens? If she does end up having been in league with Osip and Blake all along, are you going to be satisfied with that? Do we feel like that's been adequately like set up as possible jeopardy? Like a rewatch might actually reward that as being something that was present and right. sort of simmering all along? Because I haven't really seen it. We've seen her from the distance. We often see her kind of working the floor in the yeah. casino or sitting at tables by herself. We've seen lingering shots like that of her a lot. But that's the only thing I can think of that was set up. And there's plenty of evidence to the contrary. Look, when Ray shows up at the door, ready to draw down on Frank, or he actually has the gun out, she's behind the other doorframe waiting the entire time, ready to shoot. Yeah. Yeah, I think to me, Antonio, I feel like there's always been that bit of suspicion there, but nothing like too much in your face. So. I would be interested to see that you're right. Will it be satisfying? That's a great question. And I, think, uh, I, I don't know if I can answer, answer it honestly just yet. Yeah, I think, I think a lot of it has been uh, projection. I think a mm-hmm. lot of it has been we want this character to be more than she is because what she is is a little blah. Right. I think that her character has been, we've said this on the podcast before, that the Jordan story hasn't been one that has really popped for us very much. And I think that if she is somehow in on this, if they can find some sort of plausible intelligent way to convince us of that you know i'm open-minded to it and i think i'm i am craving for jordan to do something really interesting and maybe she can still do something super interesting in the finale without being a turncoat um but as far as there being track laid for it i would have to rewatch once the revelation was made I don't know that I'm going to do that. You know you want to. Oh, I don't know. One of you guys can do it. What rhymes with rewatch? Um, no, I, I nothing as far as I know. But I, I, the reason I ask that is because we sort of got here by talking about AJ's question about people accepting their truths and the idea that maybe if that is a theme that we buy into, 
that Paul's death is not something that's just totally meaningless. Oh, right. We were talking about Paul. Yes. Just like the show, we gave him the short show. Now, who's yes. Paul again? Can you <laughs> who's Paul? <laughs> He's Stan's brother. Uh, Paul, our, okay. Paul, is, Paul is dead. Paul is dead. But oh, our, okay. our Philly had commented on post-show recaps and asked us straight up, do we think that Woodrow's arc was ultimately meaningful to the overall all story or did his untimely end turn him into more of an unnecessary plot device rather than a vital character? And I, I mean, I think yeah, I that's think, I think the major question. I think it's your it turn major. to address that, Antonio, because I think Jeremiah and I both agree. Jeremiah said he's kind of like a little, eh, whatever. And I was kind of a little disappointed with it as well. I think that especially when his Black Mountain buddy, and I'm sorry, I'm forgetting the name of his lover. Uh, I don't remember that character's name. Um, but he gets shot in the face right in front of Paul because Paul has used him as a human shield. Yes. And that is what he was willing to do to this man he clearly had feelings for and was betrayed by. And there's so much interesting material to work with there. There is a lot of interesting stuff for him to work with elsewhere. And then he just gets popped by a guy who happens to be at the very conveniently right place at the right time. And it does feel a little abrupt. Why I'm upset about it is because when I went back and listened to the death draft predictions, my call on why Taylor Kitsch, why Paul would be the one killed, was that he was the lesser of the other t- of the three, and that I thought he would be able to generate the most. Like, no, not him, uh, and that he would probably ultimately be expendable in service of the plot. Yeah, and I, yeah. the reason I, I mean, the reason that our Philly asks the reason, I think, I think AJ's question, I think AJ's point is a valid one, that a character can do both. A character can be something that actually just services the narrative of the story Mm -hmm. while also occupying a space that plays into the themes of the story. And certainly that was what was happening with Paul and Legacy. Paul's Legacy was this sort of weird kind of half-hearted attempt at at forming a family. He thought that was very important that they do it, that he was going to go all in with this family uh, he wanted to protect his fiance and their unborn child, just like he wanted to protect his mother, even though he wasn't all in with her either. So Paul is this kind of guy who has sort of been half-hearted the whole time, and he hasn't been truthful with himself about who he really is or what he really is. And I do think that that ultimately did lead to his demise. And so I think AJ's point is actually a really good one. And I would be, I'd be interested... If you guys want to go to the show page at postshowrecaps.com, we'd li- I'd love to see your replies to, to what AJ's comment is because mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of valid opinions there. AJ, we'd love to see your opinions as well uh, as to what these other characters' truths are and if they've accepted them. And so if that's a theme and if that's where Paul kind of plays into that, then I can accept that his death was both a plot device but also served the greater theme. But I'm right there with you guys. Like, it's it's very frustrating and disappointing. But death almost always is. It uh, there, almost always is. There almost always are stones left to be turned and things that could have been done. I'm sure Paul didn't want to die there either. Uh, no, yeah. he didn't. I mean, and that was kind of, that was actually one piece of it that um, I do kind of like is this his final moment, his final words. I believe his final words are just no, no, no. Yeah, like, right. like he's like he is repeating what the audience is saying at the TV screen at that moment. Like, <laughs> no, not yet. Come on. Yeah, and it's a it's a real about face from where he was at the start of this thing. This was the man who was ripping through the night on the Pacific Coast Highway on his motorcycle at full speed, right. beyond full speed, with the light lights off ready to go ready to you know hug the oblivion the great black void and he is now at the end of his life 
begging not and not even begging the guy just like begging existence not to claim him yet right and i do i do think that there is something powerful about that exact moment and maybe part of the point is i am supposed to feel unsatisfied with the way that things went for paul and i think that you get that in sort of the sad music that starts to play as the camera starts to hover above his dead body just bleeding out on the ground there's definitely a melancholy feeling about it another piece of it that i think is interesting is it's contrasted with emily is in the motel room watching cartoons and smiling and just having a completely arbitrary moment in life not knowing that paul has just been shot and killed i think that there's something poetic about that so i'm not going to say that there's nothing to 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 like about the way that the show wrote Paul off. I think that there is some artistic merit and I think thematic merit as well, but it is really unsatisfying on a lot of levels in terms of the character and what it leaves still up in the air, you know, not knowing how he got those scars, not knowing the full extent of what happened with Black Mountain when he was overseas. There's just a lot still up in the air. And I think that the show can address a lot of it in the finale, the show, I think, and we'll get into the Teague Dixon stuff in a second, um, you know, and how he ties into the greater conversation I think we're going to have about who done it. Uh, but the show has done a good job of, like, keeping a guy like Teague Dixon in the show, even though he got popped in the head in episode four. And I think that there are ways to still address Paul's character in the 90-minute finale. I certainly hope so. If we don't spend a significant amount of time, and significant could be five minutes if it's a good five minutes, but if we don't spend a significant amount of time dealing with the ghost of Paul and what he's left behind, I will be really bummed out about that. Yeah. And, I will, and I will walk away from this season wondering what the hell was Taylor Kitsch on the show for. Yeah, my bro- I watched the show with my brother Dominic, and he was so upset. And he said if, if – you know, we thought he was going to die because it was sort of foreboding what was happening. And he mm-hmm. said if he dies, I don't want to watch the finale. I don't even want to watch the finale. Oh. So, uh, I know. So hopefully <laughs> there is enough Paul closure in the finale that my, my, my poor brother will be happy. Now, I, I put on my notes it. that the his uh, lover's name was Miguel. Is that, that, that you guys have that right? Is that right? Well, I don't I have, have to, I don't have it. I don't. But have I'm, it. I'm just see now talking through this, you guys. Now I mean, you're making me feel like a really terrible person here because. <laughs> Are you a loose? <laughs> I. I'm hearing. I'm glad I'm not the only loose around. And now here. I'm feeling bad that Paul is dead. You know, at the moment I was like, eh, no big deal. Now I'm feeling sad. I, I realize I'm a really shallow, terrible person. No, nah, wow. you're a pretty good dude. You're a pretty good That's guy. That's me opening up to my truths about myself. No. Oh, see, now you'll be all right, Jeremy. I'll be okay. I won't it. die. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. So, you're great. You're we'll fantastic. see what happens. I agree with all you guys' points, by the way, with Paul. So we'll, we'll find out in the finale. We'll find out what happens in the finale. All right. Well, let's, let's move on from Paul. Other business to attend to. Lots of stuff happened in this, this week's episode. Basically, all of those signatures on paper, uh, they panned out. We got, we got some names here. We got some names in the, in the mix. Signatures all over the place, you know? Signatures signatures all over the place. We now know, and especially we know because Holloway and Burris were both at the, the scene of the crime when Paul died. Uh, we know that those guys are in the mix. We know how Blake and Osip were working together and all the different people that they've been framing. We know about Tony Chazani's involvement and stuff. Antonio, could you give us a little bit of a breakdown of some of the revelations that were made in this episode? Breakdown. Uh, yeah, so ultimately, Frank... Petty? I think it was, yeah. Mm, I like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think that I think ultimately Frank had this this lineup with OSIP and they were going to buy in for ten million, which I, I guess would have been equal to a certain amount of shares. Maybe it's ten shares, whatever it is. Frank was out of the deal because of what happened with Casper, and they sort of very kind of under the rug, swept under the table, kind of redistributed a lot of what Frank was going to be in for. 
And it sounds like who they redistributed it to were people like Holloway and Burris, Tony Chisani, all these people were getting chair, were getting the land for pennies on the dollar for what Frank was going to have paid, which means that Frank's money probably ended up with Catalyst as well. Uh, and Catalyst is just making money on this deal. And I think it's very interesting because everybody keeps telling Frank like he couldn't have become legit. He couldn't have gone honest. And we have similar just thugs and headbreakers and just murderers in Holloway and Burris and people like that who are now going to be able to profit from this land deal, ideally. Uh, we don't know that that's ultimately what's going to happen because a lot of that's still up in the air. Clearly, Holloway, Chief Holloway, was very concerned about the contracts that reveal that, and he wanted them back desperately. That's why they were kind of shaking Paul down. So they wanted those contracts first and foremost because those contracts do directly link them to this land deal, and they put them in some pretty hot water. Uh, if it becomes, I guess, public that they got Frank shares, Frank's probably going to want to come after him, things like that. So right. all of that is is really in play with them getting the land. Uh, and where you where you kind of unravel all that all the way back is we did basically find out in this episode, and it was essentially confirmed, that the jewel heist in 1992 where the husband and wife were killed and the diamonds were stolen – it absolutely implicated not only Burris and Teague Dixon and Chief Holloway, but also Casper, who was their department's accountant at the time. All four of them, after this incident, made their way to Vinci and were involved in the corruption in the Vinci PD. And that's why those diamonds are super important, because they are direct evidence that ties them and the people that are involved to that killing in 1992 where, conveniently, two of the children did survive and actually, I think, from this week's episode, seemed to be pretty clearly involved in the death of Casper at the very least. At least one of them. Um, at least the, one of them. The, the, the little girl has been on the show and we now can put a face to the name. Yes. Right. Is, she a, is she a bird man? Uh, that, that is a good question. That is a good question. It turns out she's Laura, correct? That's her name. Laura, yes. She's Laura. She is a woman who showed up. Uh, she's been, she's been seen at some of these sex parties that we were at last week. Not Not that there's anything wrong with that. Not, not the three of us were at, but the show was at. I'll edit, I'll edit this part out. I'll edit, I'll make sure no one knows about that part. Uh, <laughs> That's um, good. But she, but, but she was, she was, she was that woman and she was also, she was Casper's secretary too. Yes. Yep. And, Vel, and Velcoro had met her once. Yeah, we, under, we actually, the, under the alias Erica, we actually we saw her get initially questioned by the police in one of the early, early episodes. And then she turns up again, I believe, in episode three at the film shoot site uh, where they're sort of investigating the car that was linked to uh, the, the Casper kind of incident. And the, the Casper, just Casper in general had showed up at the film lot and there were all these permits she said she needed to check. And she's involved there. And at that time, Josh, we talked, Jeremiah, I don't know where you were at that time. Were you, were you in upstate California? I think I, think I was. Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, mm-hmm. so you were in upstate California at that time, Josh. You and I talked, and we talked about how this this girl was a little bit suspicious, and that we probably should keep our eyes on her if she shows up again. Turns out she doesn't show up again until we get her talked about in this episode, and it certainly does seem like she was the daughter who watched her parents get killed. At some point, became a part of this this whole party scene, and ended up as Casper's assistant or secretary. Uh, and now is kind of has since subsequently we find out quit her job, left her apartment. No one knows where she is. She's in the wind. And so the question is, if that's Laura, who is who is her brother? 
right. who is who is the other surviving Osterman child uh, who witnessed his parents get killed and are these two the two that are responsible for killing Casper uh, and maybe for a shooting Ray in the house? Well, right. we, and if you guys remember right, we actually brought this up last week. And I think if I remember right, we, our t- takeaway was that it's very possible that these two children could definitely be our Casper killer and that they're doing it as some kind of a revenge or something for the death of their parents. Because clearly, you know, these, their, their parents were killed by all these guys, Dixon, Holloway, and Burris, all those guys, were killed by these guys in this, uh, in this, uh, when they went to go, uh, rob this, or the jewelry th- thieves right. thing in 1992. So to me, it like right now, that's what it obviously looks like. But is that, is it really that open and close case? I mean, do we, can we really say for sure that the two of them are involved with Casper killing? It's, it seems to me, I don't think we could say for sure until next week, but it seems to me that at least the, the daughter does seem to be involved. That's very curious that she's just in the wind, that she was so close to Casper. Um, and it does, it does seem like also whoever killed Casper is not connected to the Vinci PD Correct. and is not right. connected to what's going on with OSIP because Blake says very clearly before he's killed by, by Frank, he says like, no one knows who did casper it wasn't blake blake killed stan we found did we find out who stan is yet by the way <laughs> who's stan i don't know who stan is yet uh, Bird, uh, Bird is but stan. but whoever who whoever stan is blake killed him because he was getting too close to blake's activities with osip and he killed him to make him look like it was the same person who killed casper uh but it wasn't it, it wasn't blake who killed casper so casper's killer is still in the wind and now that we know like the major antagonist parties we know that there's the osip faction right. we know that there's the vinci pd faction who could be Casper's killer? Like, who who is still left out there? And I feel like this is that one big piece of information um, that kind of lines up in terms of who the Casper killer could be. But you're right, Antonio. As for who the the diamond store owner's son is, that's still up in the air. You got to imagine it's somebody we've encountered on the show so far. So theories floating around that, and we talked about this, I think, at some point in the podcast that the set photographer. Uh, that was at that movie set was a little sketchy and he knew a lot about what was going on. Uh, he volunteered information about some of these parties and things like that. And so he kind of knew uh, there is, uh, and it's all over Reddit, there are screen caps of that secretary mm-hmm. uh, at the film site just sort of surreptitiously kind of meeting with that set photographer. It's only kind of a very brief thing, but yep. you do see them kind of exchanging some kind of words that, and so that may, that may, that's what I think a lot of people are pointing to as the possible person who represents the brother. We talked last week, as you mentioned, Jeremiah, that maybe they were the Chazani kids. Right. I think at least as far as the daughter goes, that's totally out the window. No, I, I'm not buying it in that story. I mean, it wasn't really solid with the last week and I'm, I'm certainly, I'm completely out on that now. Yeah. I think I'm out on it too. Yeah. yeah. But, but we still have brother floating around out there, brother Osterman. And whether he's the set photographer or not, I agree with you, Josh, that it's got to be somebody that we've met already. Uh, I don't think it's uh, Aspen or his father. I don't think it's the director of the movie. Uh, I don't think that there's a lot of people that it probably isn't. Hey, maybe it's uh, maybe it's Frank's henchman, Nails. Is that possible? No, uh, no, not Nails. Uh. But but that's okay because these guys aren't – they're not coming after Frank. It is interesting that Nails was the only one they didn't approach. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't no, that's true. Nails at all. So, I mean, so for the motive, I mean – Nails so is a guys, little old to be the son, huh? I'm not sure. It's a good question. Eh, that's a good question. I mean, so Jeremiah, I mean, you my, no, my overall point is, though, is the motive. I mean, obviously, once <clears> – <throat> whoever it was that killed Casper – 
you know, spiraled all of this craziness in everyone's plans. I mean, but killing the one person, it it just ruined everything for everybody and has caused so much headaches for everyone. So what is the exact motive? I mean, if it's this kids, the kids did it. You know what? What exactly for sure? What are they getting out of this? Is why? Why? Why do it? Why kill Casper? Why not kill uh, Burris and Holloway and Teague Dixon as well? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, probably to like completely screw with these people. You know, let's kill Casper. Let's make these guys go crazy. These people do not want the Casper murderer found because they don't want this case to be closed because it could link back to them because of what they did in 1992. Whoever kills Casper, Casper is just the accountant at the time. You don't imagine that Casper is actually at the scene of the heist, right? Right. That's Uh, true. So he's like, he's involved, but he's the one who isn't like actually directly physically traumatizing these two children in front of them during the heist. So this is a way to screw with Burris. It's a way to screw with Holloway and they're going to strike in the finale. Yeah. Yeah. Casper, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say is that we also too keep in mind is that they made a big point about the fact that these kids probably were emotionally scarred because of the fact that they spent quite a bit of time with their dead parents' corpse or whatever. Remember that one guy said, so I mean, these, you know, if it is the kids, these kids are probably messed, you know, up. messed up but anyway yeah. go ahead Antonio. i'm yeah. sorry i mean and i, th- and well, I no. think and i think again that that just plays really well into the theme of legacy yeah it does. Uh, you know and and what what frank says about why he would never adopt is because like he doesn't want anybody else's sins like he doesn't oh, want yeah. that baggage but these sins are coming Good home one. to roost for the vinci pd yeah, for sure. And I think that a key element in all this is you have to think about what we know about Casper. We know that Casper was filming all of these uh, kind of people engaged in these various acts, and he's keeping it on a hard drive. And right. that Tony Chisani was probably involved with that too. And they were doing this to sort of make their way up higher in the world, beyond their station that they had, aris- that they had risen to, that this was their ticket upward. And we also know that what Casper did was he had the blue diamonds in his safe deposit box. He had literally the physical evidence that linked the crime that was committed in 1992 to the people uh, that, you know, that were involved. And they mm-hmm. probably, I think at some point, probably what happened is if Laura was close with Casper, maybe she ended up like just kind of on the bum and ended up at these sex parties. Maybe she willfully like Annie sort of infiltrated the sex parties because she was sort of tracking Casper and what Casper was doing or tracking some of these people and what they were doing. But I think Casper was keeping those diamonds as leverage against Burris and against Holloway mm-hmm. and against uh, Teague Dixon and the people that were involved. I think that's that kind of a, a weird thing that's happening throughout this season. Dixon's taking pictures of Paul. Uh, other people have other information that are blackmailing. We hear about uh, Tasha, who is another character who, who's just mentioned a ton by name that we've never met on screen. Casper's the lady. woman who was killed. The woman who was killed in the cabin. Yes. The woman who was killed in the cabin. And what was she killed for? Attempting to blackmail. Yeah. And so all of these people are attempting to blackmail one another. This is right. like a freaking Clue movie. It's and, crazy, right? You know, yeah. <laughs> <and> <laughs> one plus two plus two plus one. One Flames on two. the side of my face. Yes. <laughs> uh, communism is just a red herring right oh the red herring is back the red herring is back so i'm not sure exactly what's going on there two corpses everything's fine uh, within right. the context of this movie but our show 
but yeah, uh, ultimately there's a lot of blackmailing going on, a lot of like a like a skullduggery uh, happening with these characters. So of course, Casper is keeping these diamonds. At some point, Laura gets close enough to Casper that she figures out, holy crap, like this is all tied to our parents' murder. And that's when – you got to think about it. Casper is shot not only – are his eyes cut out and he's – he's shot in the groin. Yeah. Uh, and that's a very personal, intense kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and the only question I have for that is let's assume that Laura and brother are the ones who killed Casper and that mm-hmm. one of them is the bird man and maybe the other one is the spirited away mask kind of person – who set the car on fire and ran away. And we do know where the masks come from. Movie set. Movie set. Masks like that on the movie set. Yep. Yep. Why do they not kill Ray? Why do they shoot suppression rounds at Ray? Have they kept a dossier essentially on everyone in that department? And they know that Ray's dirty, but he's not been involved with the murder of their parents. Uh, And so they're really only killing for that reason. They want to kill the people that were involved in the murder of their parents and no one else. And so as a result, maybe they're not bad, I think the reason all this is important is when you start – I mean, and let's turn the page just a little bit. When you start thinking about satisfying conclusions for Ray uh, and for Annie next episode in terms of the narrative, right. are they going to – I mean, how are they going to break this case wide open? What are they going to do to end all this? They mentioned that several times this week they don't have enough information to go to the feds. Maybe they could send it to something like CNN, but they, maybe it's not going to go anywhere. So what is their end game? And I think part of their end game – is going to necessarily have to involve these kids yeah. uh, and, and, and get the information these kids might possess that led them down this path. That, to yeah. me, is the only end game right now for, for Ray and uh, Andy. They have to find out who really did kill Casper, which, you know, if it is the kids, get the kids, and hopefully also, too, get that hard drive, which apparently, which we still don't know where it's at, but we assume that, the, that whoever is involved with Casper killing obviously has a hard drive. So that would be enough. If you, if you catch them and you get the hard drive and anything, that'd be enough, hopefully, you would think, to clear their name of what's going on. Yeah, I could just I can picture this going in the direction of they find out that the kids were the ones who killed Casper. They understand mm-hmm. why the kids somehow give them the hard drive, somehow give them the information they need to break open the case and clear their name, but also allow the kids to get their sweet sweet revenge on a Burris or a Holloway. Or maybe they don't. Maybe they they uh get capped or caught or something on their way to busting Burris and Holloway, maybe they don't get to have that complete level of vengeance. But I feel like that could be the direction we're going. And I, I really like it, too. I like this idea of the the Diamond Kids. I like the idea of them being kind of like these little Dexters running around, killing mm-hmm. only by the code of we're only killing the people that were responsible for killing my parents, killing our parents. Right. Um, that would explain why the Birdman did not kill Ray. That would explain why. I don't know if it would explain why the Birdman had buckshot so readily in the shotgun instead of live ammunition. But... That's neither here nor there. Uh, I feel like I feel like that is a good explanation for why the Birdman wouldn't have killed Ray. And also, who knows? You know, who knows what kind of history there is? Like Ray's father, who is also on the police force, and Ray's father seems to be like those guys were smart, but was completely uninvolved in the 1992 robbery. Uh, maybe there's a little bit of connection there. Probably not. I'm just spitballing it. Oh, come on! Now that would help with my crackpot theory. I had a couple of I know, thoughts. I know. Go. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I need. I need somehow to either Ray's father be involved, or of course Annie's uh, Annie's dad to be involved for me to have any kind of chance, any points at all for this finale. 
I feel like Annie's father is queered. I think we're queer on Annie's father. You think he's clear? Point. Okay. What do you think, Antonio? Yeah, we, yeah. That's that's sort of that's sort of disappointing to me because I, I mean, I really did think there was going to be more of a connection there. In case you guys weren't tracking it, ultimately what happened was Annie sort of has come to the realization that some some guy kidnapped her and sexually abused her in the woods outside of her father's commune. She seemed to actually have been missing for several days. Uh, and that her father, in fact, was looking for her, and lots of people were looking for her, knowing that she was missing and that she came out of the woods uh, ultimately and, and uh, blocked out a lot of what had happened. Right. And so her associating that with her dad is probably more along the lines of what we speculated the simplest answer was last week, which is that maybe she blames him for not being there. Uh, she blames him for, you know, as a kid might, uh, for letting her down and not not doing that. And this repressed memory has led to this huge problem with her dad. And maybe it isn't a setup. We we had some, it was just so weird this episode with her father uh, because he, we, that again was a weird get, scene. we again get the picture and we again get the discussion that they were just kind of passing through. Everybody was sort of pursuing different branches on the same tree. And I'm not really sure what they were into, but they weren't here for long. And it was just a brief thing. And I don't know about that. I'm not sure we have closed the door completely on Annie's father, but I but I truly can't see how we get a 90-minute episode next week with what we've already talked about will happen and some of the stuff we haven't talked about yet that will happen, and, and we find some time to address the Annie's father thing in a way that would be meaningful and that would tie him to the earlier crime. I, I got a new crackpot theory. Let's, oh, hear, let's hear it, Jeremiah. Okay, what if this two, the two children – are part of his commune and he's been like, you know, coaching them or doing whatever things that they do up there in uh, Northern California's commune. What, what if he's like spiritually uh, their guide or something like that? He's the, you know what the I mean? Charlie to their angels. Yeah, exactly. What do you think or about that? Like the, yeah, no, I, huh? that could be, that could be it. Crazy, so, right? Did I just blow your mind? And I no, but I mean that would be that would be actually interesting if if they because it we know be. that we know that the girl uh, who who had turned up uh, and and we we see her again this week, kind of out of her drug stupor, and she just wants to keep being a prostitute. She just wants to keep right. screwing around, uh, and that's fine. Her sister shows up and all of that, but we know that that she was loosely tied to her father's commune and she ended mm-hmm. up in that sex ring that's true so be it, careful about saying anything like loosely tied in this uh, <laughs> context <laughs> yeah so anyway we do know that there was a loose connection uh between between her uh annie's father and, and that woman and that that woman ended up in the sex party kind of ring so it's possible jeremiah that there maybe is more a direct connection there and that maybe those kids were wayward and ended up there at the commune searching searching for some sort of spiritual answer maybe pitler was involved maybe they were in psychiatric care and he funneled them up to uh bezerides i mean we don't know but yeah you know you guys seem to think that annie's father's story's put to bed it's certainly convenient that they're gone uh that it, that it, that athena and him are gone uh and they could easily just remain gone from the story well hold up for the record bro i am not saying that i think he's out because I want this thing to continue so I could be right about something. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think he's out. I'm going to say he's out. Right. I think he's out. Uh, yeah, I, I think, think he's out. out. Hey, can right. I, I ask you out. guys a question? So we in this episode, what we saw Paul take extreme measures to make sure that his family, you know, his fiance and and mother are protected, and then we see Annie make sure that her his fa- her father and sister go for some kind of protection. 
What about Ray? Does he not yeah. care about his ex-wife and his son? <laughs> he's no, he's gonna he, let them he, hang. <laughs> he deserved that, dude. Them? Yeah, yeah. That was the that, that, that was the me. one. <laughs> wasn't that the one where Ray disowned his stepson? <laughs> yeah. His son. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> so yeah. This is where the this is where the Friends music is edited back into the podcast. I, I love right how, now. It's happening right now. I love the way we're back. We're back into the Friends music. Yeah. How do we feel about this? I feel okay about it. It's a little loud. Yeah. Little and, loud. And okay. I'll turn it down. Thank you to everybody on Twitter was sending us all the awesome suggestions about the titles. I had one person um, reach out to me on Twitter to be like, you guys posted a Friends podcast instead of the True Detective podcast. Yeah, they got pastored. <laughs> yeah, and I said, keep listening. And then he wrote back and said, oh, thank God, you guys are great, and I hate Friends. <laughs> oh. oh. All right. Well, apparently Ray does, too. You should yeah. name drop that person, Josh, because they're listening now. I'll, I'll go find it. I'll dig through my uh, but, Twitter. But, yeah, I, what I think that's interesting about that, Jeremiah, is, is that mm-hmm. what's funny is that Ray's ex-wife said she directly told him earlier in this series, you are a bad person. You're a bad person. She told him. And Annie is saying in this episode, you're not a bad person. Yeah. And so I think that's interesting. Our Philly had also asked if we bought into the consummation of Velcoro and Bezzeridi's relationship. Uh, did we find it contrived and cliched or was it satisfying uh, for them to find solace with one another? We had another one of our listeners, John Santucci, who's been kind of calling it all along um, that Velcoro and Bezzeridi should be shipped and they were going to get together mm-hmm. um, and th- that all that was going to happen. Were you guys satisfied with the way that played out? Jeremiah, I turned the table to you. I'm still trying to find the guy who hated friends. I guess so. Well, I, I mean, I, I, I suppose so. What I mean, were you satisfied with it? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it actually works. And I wasn't shipping them all along as John Santucci kind of asked and as John was. I wasn't shipping them all along because I just thought, okay, that would be cliched and contrived like, uh, like our Philly suggests. However, I think in this moment, from what we've seen them both experience, the epiphanies that we've seen, Ray being forced to experience his epiphany by virtue of the fact that his wife's rapist allegedly is actually found on DNA DNA tying him to the crime. Right. And Ray meeting face-to-face with this guy. And then Ray taking that to Frank and Frank saying – this is who you were all along. Like I helped you, but you would have done it anyway. Like I didn't make you do anything. This is the sort of breakthrough in therapy that comes after years and years of treatment. And I think Ray is accepting some hard truths about his life. And I think that scene where they really sort of half-heartedly talk about that, he and Annie, that leads directly to their sort of finding comfort in each other. I think that that absolutely, uh, it absolutely happens. What's interesting about that to me is earlier in the episode when Annie's rolling and she's all very Molly, you know, the Molly is ha- taking it, is, it's certainly uh, doing what it's supposed to do, and she's very frisky. She tries to tries to get with Velcoro, and he doesn't want any part of it. And you know, he says, "You're out of my league." He says, "You're out of my league." You think it would help? <laughs> he says it my usually does. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, I think that that's interesting because uh, later in the episode, when they have actually really connected as humans, then they can actually forge that bond and pursue it. So it didn't come off as cliched to me, and actually, it felt natural and organic. Yeah, I, the way – okay, so the way it was done was fine. I mean I was one of the ones – I think I even told John on Twitter that I did not think it was going to happen that the two of them were going to get together. But the way it happened, I felt like they did a nice job in making it feel pretty natural like it, it like it could happen for sure. So I, I – by the way, I wanted to tell you something. During that, the during all the scenes together with the two of them in the motel room, I love how like t- towards the beginning of the episode – 
when she's kind of still a little bit coming off the drugs and stuff and she's kind of you could tell something still you know still bother and he goes hey you want me to roll you a joint yeah, <laughs> like drugs that. are always the answer to everything uh speaking of speaking of rolling something let me roll up a shout out for at topspin 888 joe p who hates friends yeah that's so him. send your thoughts and comments there to Topspin888 if you love friends. But, uh, that, that was my favorite tweet that I got probably all year. <laughs> that you pastored somebody and then... No, no, response. just like, just the response was terrific. I yeah, really that appreciated that. Yeah, that was uh, so what are you guys talking about? I was completely tuned out. Uh, Frank, uh, no, I got, Ray, Ray and Annie, bumping sure. uglies. Yeah, 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 yeah. Connecting bumping, as human beings as Antonio. Bumping pretties. Are you kidding said. me? There's nothing ugly about that. Yeah, I mean, does, does, does Colin, Colin Farrell is not out of Rachel McAdams league are we in agreement on that ray del well, coro might be believe, I ray, say, ray might, might be out of it <laughs> you know ray del coro is out of rachel mcadams's league but maybe not out of annie bezzarides's league right these yeah. these two might right. be perfect for each other i agree i didn't think that i would be shipping uh Vezarides. what do we want to call it ray razorides razorides that sounds like rice aroni <laughs> i'm shipping rice aronis for sure uh ranny, no, I think, ranny, uh, francisco tree ding ding we want to call it ranny ranny a a ranny we're we're going with Ranny. Is that good? I think Ranny's pretty good. I'll it's let easy. you guys do that. I'm terrible yeah. at that stuff. I'll let it, I'll let Antonio take care of it. There you but go. I'm 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 good with it. I like it right now. I think it's I think it's a good spot. I think that we've earned it with those two characters. I think that they're both in a place where they're obviously pretty beaten down by the circumstances that they've found themselves in. Um, and there's chemistry there. I think I think it works. I think it works. I'm interested to see where it goes. I kind of feel like they can't both survive next week, but maybe they can. I mean, True Detective Season 1 had a happy-ish ending. Maybe this will have a happy-ish ending as well, but it kind of feels to me like one of them's not going to make it all the way through. We certainly have the prophecy of Ray's father. And we do have the prophecy of Ray's father. They cut you to pieces. Yeah, so I don't know where this is all going to track if uh, if everyone's going to hole up in some kind of board you know boarded up cabin somewhere and ray and annie are going to be coming with full force and and need more force behind them i think it's interesting because there are two very different sets of parties in play here there is the party there is the group that includes burris and holloway uh and includes the vinci kind of corrupt people right then there's the group that includes osip uh and that included blake uh that also includes tony chisani and i i do wonder we we haven't really talked about this Frank is loading up for Bear. Like, he is going whole hog on what he's trying to accomplish here. He meets with so many different people here planning his exit strategy. He's taking his money out of all of the accounts and all of the loose cash he can find. He's buying weapons. He's promising more money on the back end to all these people. Yes. He's I got that, that list that repeats itself over and over and over again. Yeah, so so that's incredible. Can we just take a quick second to stop and acknowledge that? <laughs> uh, it was pointed out on Twitter online that the list that Frank hands over to the Hungarians, Hungarian guys needing all of these weapons, needing, you know, uh, an automatic rifle and a shotgun and flash grenades and tear gas and gas masks and Kevlar vests and AK-47. AKs! Ex- extra <laughs> AK magazines, two AK-47s at that. Yeah. Uh, and then the list repeats itself. Yeah. Uh, for a show where every little tiny thing gets highlighted on the internet in extreme microscopic detail, you would think that the prop master would have figured that one out. <laughs> yeah. How unless about bigger handwriting? Yeah, unless he's effing with us. Yeah. Which, you know what? I would actually appreciate it. Yeah, because that's, that's, that's just so be. weird that that list did repeat. I, like I said, I watched with my brother. We freeze-framed it right away, and we're like, wait a minute. That's the same list in the same order twice. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, Frank is through. really – he's making his list, and he's checking it twice. Yeah, he uh, goes from 
from M4 automatic rifle through 500 rounds per piece, and then it repeats itself. I do. I kind of with you guys, though. I'm going to give HBO and the producers and everybody a little bit of leeway, and, and you know, and just I'm going to go with the fact that maybe they were just doing it as a joke. They were they just, had just screwing with us. That all of either way. I mean, it's just an insert shot. They could have easily reshot it if, for some reason, they didn't have coverage or something. Like, sure, I don't understand. Like, that is an easy shot to replicate. So it's on purpose. It has to be. Yeah, it's it total joke. You're right. Has total joke. You'd like you'd like to think so because this season of True Detective has been pitch perfect, and there has been oh, absolutely exactly. nothing wrong with it whatsoever. I was going to say the same thing, Josh. Yeah, right on, so, my friend. So what do you guys come think? at me, Nick Pizzolotto? Come <laughs> at me, bro, dude. You're throwing hands. Yeah, I'm throwing hands. My hands are up. This is no I'm good. like the Night's King right now. Come at me, bro. This is no good. This is no yeah. good. Anyway, do you want to keep talking about how Frank is going to become Frank Castle and he's going to punish Osip and all of the Russians and it's going to be amazing? And if it's done in one six minute take, all will be forgiven with True Detective season two. <laughs> yeah, I mean that, that's where we're kind of heading, and I don't know is he. So just to kind of recap, Frank has his great face to face with Blake where thankfully once Blake is hit in the face with uh with it's a, like a face to wall at that point. Yeah, he's got a rocks glass he smashes him in the face with and then he pushes his face that cut up face against the wall and is really just interrogating him and Blake has given up the store for a guy who ultimately uh, was really kind of working behind Frank's back. Man, he is so quick to sell everybody up down the river. He's giving up everything, including the fact that he absolutely did lie to Frank, and that wasn't the guy. He, he just put some meth head out and said, hey, Frank, I, I, you know, I'm working my way up in your organization. Here's, a guy, here's this guy who did the cop's wife. And so Blake lied to Frank. Frank did not lie to Ray. This is, this is, Frank was totally on the level. And so we had that kind of question mark last week when we were wondering whether Frank was telling the truth to Ray or not. Now we know it is true that Blake lied to Frank. Blake says that. Blake also spills the beans on this major deal that Osip is going to do, where he's essentially going to pay for all the land that's in play here with $12 million in cash and do a drop off with Catalyst and with McCordles. Uh, and that Frank now has decided, here's my way out. I'm going to hit that big uh, cash deal. I'm going to blow it up. I'm going to take the money. I'm going to pay some people off on the way out of town to get some passports and some you know things that I need to get out of the, out of the country. And then I'm disappearing to Venezuela with my wife. Right. And right. and I, that's Frank's big master plan that he's going to take everything and all the assets that he's got from that. He's going to try to launder it and flip it a little bit. Mm-hmm. You saw him meet with some jewelry dealers. You saw him meet with the Hungarians to get weapons and passports. Um, he is ready to go. And, and Nail, Nails is right there with him. Like, tell me what I need to do. So I don't know what Frank's next move is. Is he going to go shake Tony Chisani down maybe and find out some more information about the deal? Uh, is he going to be able to hold himself back? I mean, I don't know where that's going to go. But do you guys imagine that next episode is going to start pretty much right after this one ended? Well, for Frank, yes. at the very least, I mean, he's torched his establishments. He's blown his cover with Osip. You know, he had that moment with Osip where he kept his poker face pretty intact and was just like, yeah, Osip, I totally get it. It's cool. I'll be your Mr. Manager. That's fine. He's blown that to pieces by blowing up his businesses to pieces. Yes. So his next move has to be some sort of attack at Osip. I don't yeah. think that there could be too much filler between what he just did and moving in on the guy. And I feel like in, in terms of the timeline, where are we from the moment we leave Frank in this episode, looking out over the city with, you know, his businesses on fire versus where, you know, the meeting is taking place on the timeline where the money is going to change. What did Blake, okay, because you have to fresh my memory. 
Blake told him about the meetup and there's the, the exchange of the twelve million dollars. When exactly is that supposed to take place? Because I think you know, like obviously to me, it seems completely obvious that is exactly where Frank's going. He is yeah, going to be there at that meeting, and he's going to get he's going to do whatever he can to get that money. He's he's going to you know obviously put some uh, put some harm on these guys and uh, and make this deal not happen for him. So, what do you guys think? Um, so you, what are you trying to say, Antonio? Are you thinking like, is it, is it going to pick up like right then and there when he when they have that meeting? Is that what you're? Wondering? I just don't know what his if his next move is just to show up at that deal and blow it up, or if yes. he's got other pieces to put in play before then. My concern is he burns the businesses. Josh, as you point out, that blows his cover completely. He's no longer Mister Manager. He's it's just, go time. It's, it's go, go time. time. It's go time. So well, that that to me, if I'm OSEP, that's like, whoa, boy, like I'm not going to do this deal where we said before. I'm going to change the date and time. Uh, we're going to meet like somewhere where it's like a public place or somewhere that Frank can't blow this up. And my thinking is Frank needs to get the drop on that somehow. So I, his next move is probably going to be to try to find some way to get the drop on that deal. I don't know if he's going to – I mean, he can't go to either of those two parties, so the natural party is Tony Chisani. Or uh, the sex party. Or or some kind of sex party. I, yeah, maybe that's where it happens. I don't know. I just it, wanted to say sex party. Yeah. Because so party, nice. party, party. Yeah. It's my kind of party. Yo, yo soy fiesta, Josh. But <laughs> no. um, I don't know if that if that is ultimately what will happen. Uh, but I think Frank's next move is has got to be – something that puts him closer to that party. You saw the list. It has two of a lot of things. That's got to be for him and Nails. I don't know where that leaves Jordan. Is Frank going to leave her waiting somewhere? So is she going to pop up at that deal as sort of a hostage for OSIP? And then when Frank blows his cover and says, give me Jordan back, that's when she reveals that he's on the same side, that she's on the same side as OSIP. Like, oh, is no. that what's going to happen? That's a pretty classic trope, right? Like no. That could easily be what happens here. So I'm, I, are you guys feeling... Are you, let, let's hear it. Let, I mean, call it. Plant your flags. Does Frank pull this off? Uh, I think what Frank does is I think he's going to get some help from Ray Velcoro. And I think Annie's going to get involved as well. And I think that the trio of true detectives plus true gangster, I think, will pull it off to an extent. I don't, like, yeah, I just I can't imagine him being able to pull this off. He's not going to be able to do it as a one man show. No, it or may with look like he's going to, and at the last minute, it's going to fall apart for him. That's what listen. I, think. I I am rooting like there's no tomorrow for Vince Vaughn Beast Mode. I think that yeah. that would be an incredible thing to see on this season of True Detective. Did, I feel like that really would redeem a whole lot for me if he just becomes the Punisher and annihilates Osip. That would be I think awesome. That would be gr- I think that would be great. I don't think it's particularly likely, but it's the outcome I'm rooting for. I realize, too, even more signs that I'm a very disturbed human being is the fact that my favorite scene so far this season is Frank killing Blake? I just love that smash in his face with the glass, and then the pushing against the wall, and then just total shoots him like that. I just I love the whole scene. Does that yeah, does Blake, that disturb Blake you guys Blake at all? That. No, no, I feel good about that. Yeah, no, <laughs> I feel too. And I, Josh, I was hoping you would say that you thought that Annie uh, and and Ray would get involved because I, I sort of think that that that's kind of what I hope as well. So much of the the great, so many of the great scenes in this show have been with Ray and Frank kind of sizing each other up, talking to each other, taking each other's inventory spiritually. Uh, The scenes that have happened between the two of them, whether they're at the the cantina or they're at the uh, Frank's, you know, breakfast table. I think those are some of the better scenes of the series. And so it stands to reason that Ray's, who's kind of, Ray's kind of had one leg on one side, one leg on the other. 
the peak Frank has been when Frank has accepted who he is and accepted his truths and really kind of acted in pursuance of those these last few episodes. And so I would absolutely love it if Ray and Annie said, you know what? We're not going to get a satisfying conclusion to a lot of this. We can't bring down the whole state, but what we can do, we can blow the hell up out of these people. Uh, but it would be kind of against their code. So I'm, I'd be interested to see how we get there uh, because they, I hope they will help Frank, but I'm not sure how, how we'll see them get there. Well, okay. are they going to help Frank? Or are they going to help? Are they going to help take him down? Oh, they wouldn't take down Frank. Frank's a good guy. Because I, I, now here's I got a vision here, right. a new Murder. vision of the very final scene. Okay? okay, Frank gets away with this whole thing, and he takes off to the to the uh, to wherever he's going, right, to hide away. And we think, okay, he's made it. But then I'm thinking Australia. You'll see a scene where he'll be on a beach in Australia with the waves crashing, and then Ray will come up behind him and throw down the mask of the Birdman mask, and then he'll know because he's there to hit the most amazing wave he's ever wanted to surf because apparently he's always been a surfer the entire time. Oh, man. What? Yes. That was a a long ways for me to get all the way to the end of Point Break. Sorry about that. Oh, my God, Brody! (laughs) And then you we, know what? Can you edit this that leads out? Leads us right into the point. <laughs> no, break. no, no. We're gonna leave that in. We'll leads go. right us into the Point Break reboot. It all is. Which See how is it's all coming around, man. Yeah. It's all yeah, coming it's around. All, it's all happening. No, well, I appreciate I, that. I do kind of. <laughs> Well, that was, what's interesting, that what's was interesting, terrible, by the way. That was no, terrible. it was fantastic. The, the reason, it fantastically bad. Bad. The, re, no, the reason that I asked that and it was because I do want to know, and and this is piggybacking on a question that Alex Wilpon asked. Okay, on our on our site, pick one thing you really want to happen, and one thing you really don't want to happen in the final ninety minutes of True Detective season two. Jeremiah, amendment, 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 <laughs> amendment. amendment. Let's hear it. We're scoring points for this. We're oh, adding. I like we're it. at. We're Ooh, adding to this. Okay. All right. So here, to here's what's up. Honor. Yeah, we're trying. We're trying. Well, this is good for you too, Antonio. Because while this is happening, we're going to put uh, Jeremiah and I are going to put our plans to murder you on hold. Yeah. So we're going to wait and see how this all really shakes out. Here's what we're going to do. Antonio has scored first blood in the initial death draft. It's still in play. Jeremiah and I could still score points. We could still score points. If Vince Vaughn dies, I score a point. If, uh, who'd you have? You had Colin Farrell, you had Ray Velcoro, Jeremiah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You did. Uh, we could still score points, but let's, let's add that. Let's say one thing that we want to have happen in the finale. And if it happens, you score a point. And one thing you don't want to have happen in the finale. And if it happens, you lose a point. You lose a point. Yeah. Oh my God. What do you think? What do you think about that? I like it. I like it. I like it. Cool. All right. So let's start with Jeremiah. You want Vince Vaughn in Australia at the end of this thing? (laughs) I want. That's right. Because he's got to go down. He's got to go go down. He's got to go down under. under. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I'm sorry to all of our Australians. So are we going to start with what we want to have happen for sure? Yeah. Yeah. Let's start with what we want to have happen. And we'll give you an opportunity to give a real thing. Yeah. Now, what are we going to do if we all have similar answers here, though? Well, we'll see what happens. Okay, that's unoriginal. I vote that we don't have similar answers. Well, I feel so privileged I get to go first because I I do want to see Frank get away with it, shall we say? Okay. All right, Frank. Frank to get away with it. Yes. Frank lives and he's he's building a life somewhere else uh, with some money and and he's maybe he's with Jordan, maybe he's not, but he's he's head above water and he's maybe changed his station and he's happy. Okay. Yeah. So that's and I should direct- get some honesty points here for not saying something like "I hope Ray gets slashed by in the throat behind, you know, with uh, with a knife." <laughs> Trying to double down. <laughs> Trying to double I'm down. Not, I'm not doubled. Okay. I'm no double, double downing. All right. <laughs> okay. Here, here is what I want to have happen: is I want the Diamond Kids to get vengeance 
on one of the people that they're after at least. I want them to get either Burris or Holloway. I want Diamond Kid Vengeance is what I'm calling it. Okay. All right. And I want it to be revealed that Ray is actually Chad's father. Okay. Well, damn it. You're going to win. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, you're, you're, that theory you threw uh, out. Are you smarter than everyone in the world? Damn you. Josh, I think, I think Josh, you got a good chance to score some points. Jeremiah, I will be very interested to see if you do. Okay. I All doubt right. it. Well, let's, let's, let's snake draft back. What do you think of me saying snake draft, by the way? That, oh, sports. Not, right? You just sports. How about that? I'm sports a little tiny bit. Uh, what we don't want to have happen. And if it happens, you lose a point. Antonio, you kick us off. Okay. I... Let me think. Um, ooh, this is tough. I, I'm trying to think of something that is specific enough to happen. So I could, I, mean, I could say I don't want the sun to crash into the earth on the final of True Detective, and well, I could ensure be like that guy. I'm not going to be Captain Loophole, as AJ Mass would say. <laughs> um, I, I'm definitely not going to be Captain Loophole. So what I don't want to happen is I don't want any harm to come to Annie's sister, Athena. Oh, mm. do you have a crush on her? No, I just feel oh. like she she was the one person who had her shit together and was getting it together on this on this whole series, and I it would really be really sad to see that uh, come crashing down because her sister didn't have hers together. Interesting, I like it. Mm. I am going to say what I don't want to have happen is I don't want I don't want your life. Um, I don't I don't want to leave the finale without knowing how Taylor Kitsch got his scars. So I want to know how Taylor Kitsch got his scars. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think so either. I'm probably going to lose a point. No, wait. You lose a point if it does happen. Oh. Yeah, you lose a point if it does happen. No, I I want to find out about his scars, and you think I'm not going to get that. Yeah, I think think we're done with that story. So I think you won't lose a point. No, no, I will lose a point. Oh, because, because you didn't find yes, it. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, my gosh. This is so confusing. <laughs> I know, one plus very, two plus two plus it's one. Very, can we get this written? I, do? I, want, I want this written out on a <laughs> blog post. It's Clue Detective right now. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Clue Detective. There's yeah. your hashtag. I know. I was looking for it. There All right, Jeremiah, what do you got? What don't you want to have happen? Now, see, I, again, thought about I could really try to utilize these points in my favor, saying something like I don't want to see uh, Frank die because then that means to Josh you. Would because you get points if if he does die, right? Because you have Frank on the death. You're ball. being Captain Loophole, but I'm not going to do that. No, yeah. I'm not going to cop out like that. I'm going to say I hope that we don't. I hope we don't find out that the kids really are involved in Captain Murder. I'm hoping it's somebody completely that we're not seeing a, a total blindside for us all. That's what I'm hoping for. So you're hoping it's not the kids, right? Okay. Got okay, it. You're losing All right. I'm hoping we're not going to see that, but losing I, a point. I'm going to lose Jeremiah's a point here point. because it obviously is looking very much like so that the kids probably were involved in Casper's murder. But I'm, I'm hoping that we're going to find out that that was incorrect. All right. All right. Well, I think we are going to leave next week with Antonio still going to be the winner of this thing. And Jeremiah, I we're know. still going to have to take care of business. We're going to have to take a trip to upstate California. Congratulations, Bring Antonio. Bring it on. I'm ready. I think, I think that's what's going to happen. I just put in my order with my Hungarian friends. <laughs> All right. Who was the true detective this week? We haven't been doing this lately. Who was the true detective this week? Paul. Do we want to pour one out for Paul? Paul, give true, Paul yeah, one? I think we should give it to poor Paul. You're, you're a true detective. Paul is dead. It is very sad. It is very sad. Oh, also, we didn't really say this. So, uh, Burris walks away from killing Paul with Paul's cell phone. He's using that thing to draw out Annie and Ray, That's right? correct. 
Yeah, yeah. got to be. Okay, cool. Just putting that out there. Just planting that flag. Do you do you yeah? think there's any chance that Annie's partner Elvis is going to do is going to do her wrong because he kind of knows she's going to call him from a burner phone. He might have information about her. Is that who drove Burris away? I doubt no, it, right? I'll, I'll I'll be mad at that. Different police forces. It just seems unlikely to have been been what's happening. I've seen some speculation about that. I want to put that to rest. I don't think that that would be the case. I don't think so either. What do you think, Jeremiah? I I can't imagine that being the case. Thumbs either, down. But I'm going to give it a thumbs down at the moment. Thumbs down. Thumbs down. We didn't Antonio, hurt. anything else going on in the comment section or anything we haven't hit? No, I think that's pretty good. I think a lot of people are generally um, are generally like Ian Scott Alexander says that he really wants to see the bad guys lose at this point, uh, and and wonders if we're finding you know wants a happy ending, wants to Ray and Andy make it out alive. Um, Dave Backer wanted to know if there's any benefit to Ray and Annie solving the crime. I think we've we've kind of sussed this out. Like it, it mm-hmm. there's not a really good ending for them, and that may be why they end up working with Frank, or they may end up kind of fighting for their lives in some sort of scenario that puts them there. Uh, and I think that that's I think that's kind of a it's 90 minutes next week, guys. What if they yeah. walk away with some of that twelve million? What if uh, Frank's, you know, gives them a little bit of uh, the cash that he's about to come after? Is that are we happy about that? If our true detectives steal some of that money and disappear? See, I won't feel so good about that. I don't I mean, know. I, the, Ray was corrupt when we met him at the beginning of this series, and his arc is trending toward light. Like his arc is trending toward being a good person, and I would feel kind of bad if he took this money that was gotten from literally from theft and murder and vice uh, and directly and indirectly and, and use that to kind of, that's sort of a, like a, it's just like a, it's just a rotten foundation. It's, it's a swamp to build your foundation on. That's a horrible thing to have happen at the beginning of your rebuilding your new life. I just hope that doesn't happen. Yeah. I mean, unless he can, offended right unless now, they the secretly the somehow get some money or something, maybe. Right. Cause I feel right. like the, like race in final scene will be him with this son where he has shared custody. You know what I mean? And he's hanging out with this kid after in of course, Antonio find in Australia. Yes. And then, uh, they were getting and then ready. Someone the jumps big- over a fence and slits his throat. All right. Well, let's, let's wrap it up. Here. All right. This is the true detective podcast here on poster recaps. Again, subscribe to what we're doing here. Posterrecaps.com slash true detective iTunes, or just our general feed poster recaps recaps.com slash iTunes. Follow Antonio. He's on Twitter at AC Mazzaro. That's two Z's, one R. Jeremiah's at J Panhorst on Twitter. I'm at Round Howard. Come back next week. Give us the hashtag, hashtag Clue Detective. I think that is the Clue way. Detective. Clue, clue detective. detective. Not Glue Detective, but Clue Detective. Give us that hashtag. Let us know what you thought of this week's podcast. Let us know what you're predicting for the finale next week. We would love to hear from you guys. Hit us up in the comments section as well. Let us know all your theories. We're really excited about this thing wrapping up i think that it's going to be it'll it'll be an interesting finish if not a fantastic finish but i think it's not going to be boring i hope unless i just doomed it to being boring no i think we're going to have some action well 90 minutes we got to have some stuff and frank has all of the guns yes literally all of them he has every single i believe was hbo's michael lombardo who was a big guy there in hbo said that we are going to be very satisfied with the ending so we'll see we're going to get that multiple is- endings like Clue. Yes. Yeah, that could be what happened. What would you think about that? Multiple endings? Yeah, multiple endings. Multiple endings, good. multiple timelines. Yes. I like that. It's panhorsed all along. Yep. That could work that's, out that really well. That makes a lot well. of sense. 
All right. Well, thank, thank you guys. Thank everybody. Thank you, Jeremiah. Thank you, Antonio. Thank the world. Another True Detective podcast in the books. We will see you next week talking about the eighth episode of season two, the season finale, series finale, kind of, because it'll be the end of this story of True Detective season two. Take care, everybody. Bye. Bye.